believe that this is part two of what God um, had given Pastor Don, which was powerful. Um, and Misi, you did an amazing job at portraying um, the visual of what God was doing through that. It's, it's a blessing when people are willing to use their gifts um, that God has given them to do other things for his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to tell you something. I love fall. It is probably one of my most favorite time of years ever. And I cannot wait until it gets to the cooler weather. And Brandon already knows once it kind of turns into August, he's already like, we're not decorating yet. And I'm like, yes, we are. We are decorating because I need some pumpkin spice candles in my life right now in our house. And it needs to smell like fall and be cozy and warm and make you want to eat all kinds of cookies and things that you should not be eating all the time. But it does make you feel that way. I love fall, right? I love it. It's my favorite. I love the harvest season. I love everything about it. I love the smells, I love the food, the clothes, I love the fall markets, I love the colors, sweaters, layering, I love every bit of fall. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding, it is like, I think, the best time of year to have. When we used to live in Arizona, I missed not having fall in the winter seasons, even though I know everybody's like, I don't like the cold. Well, live in Hades for year-round and tell me that you don't like the fall, okay, because Arizona has no, nothing but one season, and that is it. Well, except it's just hot and hotter. That's it. And so when we came back home, I was like, we are celebrating full out for fall. But there's only one part of me that does not like the fall. It's my allergies. <laughs> they don't like the fall. Actually, if I'm going to be real real with you today, the reason I'm so thirsty is because I've had to been taking uh, Claritin D because of my allergies. And literally, I feel like I have cotton mouth all morning. I'm just going to be dead honest with you. So if you see me drinking lots of water, that's what allergies do to you during the fall season, right? They dry you out. They make you get itchy eyes, a stuffy nose, they, your eyes are watery. You've got running. If, if your nose isn't running, it's stuffed up. If it's not stuffed up, it's running. Um, you have to, you know, sneezing and feeling maybe a little shortness of breath. And when everything happens, like see this picture back here where the combine is going in and it's harvesting the fields, you know, when all that stuff gets stirred up, Anybody else in this room know that your allergies go nuts during this season? Amen? It's miserable. I hate it when my allergies go crazy because I love fall, but my body tries to tell me something different. It tries to make me think that something else is going on. You know, the pounding headaches, clogged ears, a head that feels like it weighs 100 pounds and reoccurring sinus infections are not my idea of enjoying harvest season. It's not fun. Anybody else know what I'm going through right now? Seriously, are you there? Somebody say amen. Amen. It's, it's terrible. But I still am stubborn enough that I leave my windows open with the fans on because I like the fall. You know, allergies are the body's way of responding to a substance that it's become hypersensitive to in the immune system. It's the body's way of saying, uh, you don't belong here and you need to get out. From when I was 12 years old, listen, from the time I was 12 years old, I took shots for six years for allergies. Six years. 
because my allergies were so bad, I had to take shots twice a week. Even at the time, I was able to give them to myself after that, even as a kid, because I knew what was going on and just had to do it to build it up. And that is called immunotherapy. If you don't know what that is, it's where your body is given small amounts of what you're allergic to in small doses so that you build up immunity to it. I'm going somewhere, trust me. <laughs> See, this helped me when I was younger. It did for a while, I didn't struggle, but as I got older, my body found a way to still fight the immunity. It still didn't want to deal with allergy season. And the word immunity today, it means the ability to resist the reaction of infection or the antibodies of sensitized blood cells. See, for some reason, my body just hasn't created an immunity to the way harvest time affects me. My body hasn't just created an immunity, so I know every time of the year when it comes around, I'm probably going to be miserable part the way through as I'm trying to enjoy what I love about the season. And I was talking to God about this the other day, and I was like, man, God, you've been doing some great works in my body, and if you could just really clear out these allergies, that would be fantastic. You know, because, I mean, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me loving the fall. And as I was praying about that, God began to speak to me very clearly. See, I wanted my body to line up and build up a resistance to the harvest season. But God spoke, and he says in Matthew 9, verse 36 through 38, and I want to take you there. We're going to go on a, a journey through a couple scriptures today. Matthew 9. Verse 36 through 38, he said, when the, he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And here's where God began to tie in my allergies to the word. As I began to ponder it, the more I thought about the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. I thought, in a spiritual sense, maybe it's not so much that the actual number of workers, but the number of workers unwilling to work the field because they have allergies. It's not so much maybe that we don't have workers for the kingdom, but maybe we've built up a resistance to the harvest. Maybe we built up a little bit of an immunity to it because, you know, our allergies, the things that we have going on in our life just keep us too busy to enjoy the harvest. See, it's the enemy's goal to put as many things in our pathway so that we will build up a resistance to God's heart, to his words, and to his calling on our lives. That's his goal. That call in our lives is to seek and save that which was lost. The enemy's desire is that we build up immunity to the harvest. He wants us to be immune to how it affects us, to how we handle it, that we don't have a care for it anymore because we can resist what's going on outside in the world. He wants us to build up an immunity so much that we reject the effects that, you know, when we see people and they're hurting, that it's just easier to pass them by than to take a moment. And he does this with little doses over time. He does it with little shots of the world that he wants to put into your system so that you can build up an immunity to God's presence. 
See, Satan knows all about immunotherapy. Whether it's through sleeping in instead of spending more time with God in the morning. Whether a drink here or there to numb the pain or stress of a hard day. Whether a small gamble to win big that becomes a habit of losses. Whether it's financial distress, loneliness, broken relationships. Whether it's missing church here and there and going whenever you want to. Oh, and that movie only said the F word once and had one small sex scene. It's not that bad. See, small little shots of the world that we allow in our body try to suppress the DNA of Christ. They try to suppress what God is doing in us. They try to keep us from the harvest. See, we're in harvest season. And as I was thinking about my allergies and how much it wanted to keep me away from the harvest because I couldn't enjoy it, I, I really was praying that God would help me be immune to it. And God said, but that's the problem with my people today is because they are praying so much for me to deal with all the small little things that they've allowed in their lives that they've built up an immunity to how the harvest affects them. See, it's time we stop treating the cries of our spirit for the harvest like allergies we need relief from. Jesus needs our response to be hypersensitive to the things of this world trying to con contaminate us so we can work his fields. See, an allergy is a hypersensitive response. Are you hypersensitive to the cry of God? Can you hear it? Or is it doled out by all the things that you've allowed in every day of little doses of this or that? Little doses of Facebook in large quantities can be a problem. So can any other social media. So can be spending time by yourself pondering how you feel and how you can't make it. See, just like the woman at the well it's time for the unlikely harvesters to rise up and fulfill the unlikely calling. Unlikely. The word unlikely means not likely to happen, to be done, or to be true. It's improbable. Our God is all about these outcomes and building his kingdom with the most unlikely people. God thrives on, on, on I can't get it out. God thrives on unlikely people. There we go. He does. He loves unlikely people. He loves the riffraffs and the nobodies and the no goods and the people that everybody else would say, uh, that's not likely for that to happen. And God loves to use them. You want to know why? Because he's the God of the impossible. And so when you take a word like unlikely that says it's improbable, he goes from improbable to possible. And he wants to take you and use you for his kingdom and for his purposes. God wants to use you. See, God's looking for unlikely people who will say yes to what others see as an unlikely calling. And I want you to go with me to John chapter 4, verses 32, 31 through 42. And I'm going to read to you because, see, last week we talked about the unlikely harvester. But this week, I want to get into the last half of that story. Because this woman, who was an unlikely harvester, who was a nobody, who wasn't somebody that everybody concerned themselves with, fulfilled an unlikely calling. Let's go to verse 31. 
verse 31, chapter 4. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of, his, because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. So here you have a woman who was a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were not liked by the Jews. They were seen to be the low end of the totem pole. They were not seen as a liked culture. And this woman was at the well, and she was filling her bucket. And when she got to the well, Jesus was waiting there for her. He was waiting at the well for her, knowing that she was going to be there. Did she know he was going to be there? No, but he was waiting for her. Is God waiting for you? Is he waiting for you? See, he was waiting for her to come, and he began to speak to her all kinds of things. And she began to receive those things into her spirit. But what the woman had against her were a few things from the start when she met Jesus. There were a few things that were against her already, not in her favor. She was a Samaritan. She was divorced five times. She was living with a man, not her spouse. She was rejected by her own people. You could say they built up an immunity to her. Even the, even the disciples were immune to her. Even the disciples thought when they went to see Jesus and he was speaking to them, in their minds they were thinking, why is he speaking to a Samaritan? Even the ones who followed closely with Jesus had an immunity to the harvest. But see, Jesus wasn't immune to her. Jesus wasn't immune to who she was. He wasn't immune to her sin, and he was not immune to her past, and he was not immune to her culture, and he was not immune to her thinking or the way she dressed or the way that she lived. He was not immune to her. Instead of being immune to her, he came to commune with her. See, he wasn't resistant to her kind. He didn't resist meeting with her. He communed with her. To commune means to talk with profound and intensity and intimate communication, sharing his heart and mind with her and her in return with him. You see, Jesus was never about immunity and he was never about the elite. Jesus was about community. He was all about building community. And it's no wonder that it started at the Samaritan well. It's no wonder that Jesus came to the spot of the Samaritan well to begin to go out into the community. It's no wonder that he met her there. 
Did you realize that wells biblically were representative of a thriving community? They represented a community that thrived because it was a place where the community gathered for the resource that they needed of water. And there has been contention all along generations in history over the wells from the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From the wells wanting to be stopped up from the enemies that were around them because the enemy does not like the building of community for God. So it's no wonder Jesus started at the well. It was a place to gather, to be thankful. It was a place to show God the appreciation for the water that was struck from the digging of the faith of others. It was a place to come actually and commune with God. The well was a place of being thankful for the things God had done. And the enemy didn't like it. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 in the Amplified says this, And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return is approaching. See, I believe that the church today represents the well. The church represents the well. It's where people were meant to gather and create community with God and his people. But I want to ask you a question. Is getting to the well important for you? Is getting to the well important to you? For those of you online, is getting to the well important to you? Do you see the harvest? Do you see the things that God is doing? Can you open your eyes for a moment? To see what God is doing. None of us are more privileged than another. None of us have more, I guess, pull with God than just another. God loves each and every single one of us. But God had a moment with this Samaritan woman that changed history. And I believe today that it started last Sunday that God has a moment where he wants to meet with you to change history. See, we can talk about and complain about it, or we can do something about it and be about it. Don't complain about what you're not willing to change. Don't complain about what you don't want to do something about. And the biggest thing is don't complain about what you entertain. The base root word of immunity and community is the word immunity. In Hebrews, the word immunity means privilege that is granted. The word immunity, M-U-N-I-T-Y, means privilege that is granted. When we choose to be workers in God's field, we choose to be builders of community, granting others with the privilege to know Jesus Christ. When you choose to be builders in the harvest, when you choose to say, I'm going to work the harvest fields, God, I'm going to see the importance in people that are around me and in the things that you want to do instead of focusing so inward, I'm going to begin to focus outward. When you begin to see the importance of community and what God wants to do in the harvest and you quit building up an immunity to them, what happens is you are giving them and telling them that they are just as privileged as you to know God. 
But when we build up an immunity to God and his calling, we deny others the privilege to know him. Because we negate our responsibility as workers who work the field. I'm too tired. I got this going on. Man, I'm so busy. I just need to hurry and get in and get out of this store. I've got so much to do. Yet Jesus says, you're right. We have so much to do. There's so much that needs to be done. And this is what happened to the Samaritan woman who was sitting at the well. See, until she went to the well, she knew all about immunity. She knew what it felt to be pushed to the side, not wanted, not loved, not privileged to know Jesus because the Jews were better than her. She knew what that felt like, but when she got to the well, Jesus began to change her life. And I believe that God wants us to be that well experience for somebody. See, too often we can treat others like a threat of infection instead of giving them the affection of Christ. Looking at somebody that really gets on your nerves, telling them that, you know, I'm allergic to you is a nice way of putting it. Instead of getting on my nerves, you're getting on my allergies. <laughs> I'm going to start telling my kids, I'm allergic to that kind of talk. <laughs> but in reality, think about it. Do you keep, you know, a distance when you see somebody that, you know, oh, they look a little rough or they've got stuff going on or, you know, look at that mom and her kids and the way, maybe she's had a rough day. Do you ever think of just about saying, hey, can I help you carry that? Or can I open your door? Or can I, you know, do you need a hand with something? You know, what about the person? I'll tell you what, the things that get me anymore are, are drive through workers. But I've thought about it as I've gone through. You know, how many times have you worked with drive through workers sometimes that don't communicate to you at all? They just hand you your receipt and your drink and shut the window and you're like, Hi. I'm good too. So anymore, when we pull up to it, first thing I'll do is say, hi, how are you? And it shocks them because they're like, I I'm good. You know, because it's just a hurry up, pass you by, drive through society that we live in. And that's what we've caused in our lives. And even spiritually, we treat God sometimes like a drive through window and we treat, uh, you know, passing and meeting other people like a drive through experience. What's your order? Let me pray for it and you're good. See you later. I'm going to cash you out. And God wants us to spend time to build community. But you can't do that if you've built up an immunity, a resistance to them because you're so busy. Or maybe just because I'm so sick and tired of how all these people act. Just like Pastor Brandon said, not everything about the generation that's coming up is bad. But how many times have we out of our mouths spoke about this generation? Da, 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 da. They don't know how to work and they don't know how to do this. All the things that have come out of our mouth have caused us to build up walls and they've built up an immunity towards us because they want to resist all the things coming out of our mouths. And then we build up an immunity towards them because we want to resist all the crud that we thinks coming do you see what I'm saying we're not helping each other all we are is we're injecting the world more with the world instead of the word when Jesus sat to meet with the woman at the well 
He broke the resistance and granted her the privilege to know him. But not only to know him, but to be granted the ability to be called by him. See, never in anybody's imagination did they think that the woman at the well would have been one of the first women evangelists. Nobody in the world would have looked at her any different to think that Jesus would have used her in a mighty way to literally bring salvation to a whole community. You know, some of you in this room, nobody in the world would have thought you'd be here today. Nobody in the world, Samuel, would have thought you'd be youth pastor. Not nobody. But God, because you had a well experience with him. You had a moment at the well that changed your life. See, there's importance to community and there's importance to the church. And you wonder why we press so much about building to get your butts in the seats. It's because it's about building community and building unity. You cannot build community if you don't gather together. It doesn't work that way. And I get it. I get we have online things. I get that. And I am thankful for our online church family. But I am telling you what, there's going to be a day that comes when those kind of things are going to be non-existent. Because what's going to happen is the things of this world are going to begin to change and be shaken. And you better know where you can go to get the water. We need the well. And I believe that it is of no coincidence that this church literally lives and sets and breathes off of a well. Because I believe that God placed us here for harvest. Not for anything else but harvest. For souls, for people who need Jesus. See, the Samaritan woman, she was probably deemed as unlikely. She was not liked anyways. So she was probably deemed as, oh, she's unlikely to do anything with her life because all she does is sleep around and go to guy to guy. And, you know, she can't get her life in order. So God is definitely not going to use her because she's tainted. She doesn't live right. But you want to know what I love about the woman at the well? It wasn't just that God met with her and he spoke truth to her. But it was that she accepted the truth that she said, that he said, and chose to do something about it, and she immediately saw the field. She didn't sit and, you know, mope about what God said. Oh, he hurt my feelings. God, you just hurt my, I'm offended. Jesus looked at that woman and literally said to her, he said, I'm going to go back to it, just so you know that I'm telling you the truth. He said to her in verse 16, he said, she was talking to him about the water, and he said, I'm the living water. And she said, well, I want, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus told her, go call your husband and come here. <laughs> like Jesus didn't know she didn't have no husband. I mean, of all people, that's the one person you can't pull nothing on over. He just knows it all. But he was like, go call your husband and come here. Jesus, why are you playing games? <laughs> and the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you have no husband. And not only don't you have a husband, but you've had five. 
Now, in today's culture, that woman probably would have got all ghetto on him and been like, who are you talking to? Get out of my business. So? He said, you're right, you have no husband, and you've had five, and the one that you're living with is not your husband. Oh, yeah, Jesus, I want to serve you now. <laughs> you made me feel so good. I love what you say, Jesus, when you talk sweet nothings to me and make me feel like I'm the best thing in the world. I mean, seriously, at that moment, that woman had every right to walk away and be like, you crazy. I don't want to talk to you. Now you're trying to bust me out, and you don't even know me. But something happened to her. Something happened at that moment when he spoke truth to her. And when truth began to set in her, she accepted it. See, that's the problem with well experiences. We want to hear all the gushy, nice, lovey-dovey stuff at the well that Jesus has to tell us. And if he tells us something that we don't want to hear, then we begin to walk away because I don't want to work for you because you don't love me because you don't let me be what I want to be and live the way I want to live, Jesus. And you don't like it about me, so I don't want to work for you. Well, I'll tell you this. If Jesus is our father, then like any good parent, he's not here just to be your friend. He's here to parent you. He's here to let you know the good and the bad, the things that you have that are promises for you, but also things. See, see, we come to an experience and we want the well and we want the water and we want to have God come in and invest in our lives. But the problem about it is, is once he begins to start investing, we don't want to be accountable. And Jesus, right at that very moment, held her accountable. And she could have looked at him and said, you know what? I'm offended, and I don't want to be a part of your church. So I'm going to walk away now because you hurt me. And because you hurt me, well, then the whole church hurt me. So I just don't want to be a part of the church, and I don't want to be a part of the harvest. Because you know what, Jesus? That is true, but that's my truth, and I'm living it. And you know what? The truth of it is, is Jesus does say, come as you are, but he never said, stay like it. And the fact of it is, is that woman, what I love about her change is immediately when Jesus said that to her. Immediately when he said that to her, he began to talk to her about, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And Jesus said to her about worship, and he began to talk about when the true worshipers will rise and worship him in spirit and in truth. And immediately after that, you know what she did? She dropped her bucket, and she went out into the field. She wasn't even moping around of like, I can't believe in the hours he's going to use me. I'm so thankful that you love me, Jesus, and that you've forgiven me. But how can I do anything the rest of my days because I've just lived so... No, she got up. She got up. And you know what she did? She got up and she picked up the call. Because you know what she believed? If Jesus can do it for me, he can do it for them. If he can do it for me, he can do it for them. She immediately allowed her life to become subject to God. You know what's powerful about it? Is that in biblical times, people who worked the fields for another, that person was the master over them. 
That was the master of the house, the master of the field. And they were subject to what the master desired for his field. And what I love about this woman is immediately she saw the field and she allowed her life to be subject to God and for him to become the subject of her life. She, she subjected herself to him. She said, you know what, God, pretty much she was like, you're right. This ain't worked. I'm going to do what works. You know the truth. Obviously, you know the truth. And I'm going to live for it. I want to do what's right. And I want to do what you've called me to do. And you know what's funny is Jesus didn't have to go through and he wasn't like, now step one and step two and step three. Oh, now we're at 20. Now go out and tell people about me. She just immediately dropped everything she had and went out and began to tell people of the goodness of who he was. And he said everything about me. And Jesus is good and he's faithful. She began to share to the whole community. This is why she was so effective to reach her community. Because the encounter with God and the acceptance of his love is what breaks down the walls of immunity and creates change. She was willing to embrace the truth. Are you willing to embrace the truth? Ever heard the saying, truth hurts? It does. Truth hurts sometimes. God tells me things sometimes every day that hurt me. <laughs> and I'm like, I really don't want to hear that today. And he's like, I really don't care what you want to hear. Because God and I, we have that relationship like that. And he'll just talk to me. And you know what? I have the the opportunity in myself to either say, okay, God, I'm going to accept that truth, or I'm just going to, you know, forget about it. I'm going to walk away from it, because I don't want to change. But she was willing. The woman at the well was willing to embrace the truth. He gave her the truth, and it freed her. See, John 4, 16 through 18 says it like this, John 4, 16 through 18, I just kind of went back up to you. Once he had told her about, you know, you're right, you don't have a husband. She took that truth from there. And then we go on to John 4, 23, where he says, but the hour is coming and now is here when true worshiper, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. He was speaking to her heart at that moment. He was trying to tell her, look, you don't have this, but there will come an hour to rise and you are a part of that. which literally takes you over to John 8, verse 31 and 32. And it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And there will come a time when the worshipers, when the true worshipers will rise. What Jesus was trying to tell her is that this is the time now. Not tomorrow, not, not later, now. You have the time to rise now and move in my calling. It's only when we accept the fullness of his truth that we can walk in the privilege of freedom. It's only then when we can find joy in sharing God with others when we accept his truth. And when we embrace his truth, we embrace his call. The woman at the well carried out her calling without a title or a position. We don't even know her name. But she saw the importance of the field over herself. 
She saw the importance of the field and moved to it without hesitation. She chose to build community with those who treated her with immunity. She reached out to those who hurt her. She reached out to those who were immune to her, who would not talk to her, who would not take the time of day for her. She reached out to them. And she built community because she knew that God was more greater than anything that she could have ever done and anything that she could ever be rejected from any longer. God was greater. Her desire to be about the master's business for the sole purpose of the master caused others to see him clearly because she was out of the way. The purpose of the harvest is for the master. It's not for you. It's not for you to receive a name for it. It's not so you can get to heaven and be like, hey, I led um, 562 people to God, to you, Jesus, and I just want to know if they're here. And I want you to know that I did that so that all those jewels get placed in my crown. Please don't miss one. That's not what it's about. It's about the one. It's about the one who needs you. It's about the one who, who's waiting for you to take your well experience and act on it. God's desire is to see the community of his people thrive. It's no coincidence that he speaks of harvest in this same passage. Immediately after the well encounter, he speaks of harvest. See, we all, all, all of us have had or will have a moment. See, because God said he will not come to this earth until every eye and ear has heard. So every single one of us will have or have had a well encounter with God. It'll happen. But see, what's crazy about it, it's not so much what happens at the well that's the most important. It's what you do with it that matters. If you just have a well experience and do nothing with it, then it loses its purpose. Yeah, it's done great things in you for you to do nothing with it. What would have happened if that woman just would have been like, oh, God did something great in me, but would have went back to living in the same home, the same life, doing the same thing every single day? What would she have done? Falling right back into the trap. But you know what she did? She chose to act upon her encounter, and she chose to change, and she chose to receive the truth, and she chose to let it change her, and she chose to go out and reach and be a part and a worker in the field. She chose to move. We've all had experiences with God, or will have one. But when we do nothing with the encounters that God gives us, we leave room for immunity to build up in our lives. See, the church is a well for this city. And you may have a well encounter today, but who are you reaching to gather back with you? The woman went immediately out and reached her community, and what happened? They came back to the well. They came back to the well. They came back to the well. And you want to know why sometimes I think churches aren't like seeing big abundance of people in the seats? Is because we want the well encounters to just be what we see on the online or what we see from our services and what we experience. And God is saying workers have to get to work. 
You got to work. And I'm sorry, but a field didn't get harvested just by one person. The master had many servants. And whether you like it or not, we are a servant of God. But are you a servant who's running from your responsibility? Are you a servant who has built up allergies to God's call? Are you a servant asking for God to suppress those emotions and that cries of people because you just don't have time for it anymore? Your heart cannot break for what breaks God's when you build up a resistance to it. Cannot do it. It can't break for God if you're resistant to it. You can have all the well experiences with God, but if you do nothing with them, like I said, you defeat the purpose. And I want to ask this question, and I'm being dead serious because I've thought about it and thought about it, but how can we truly say we love God and not do his work? How can we say we love him and do nothing for him? And I'm not, I'm sorry, but I'm not just talking about a once in a while, yeah, I talked to somebody, I did this. Let me tell you what, those fields out there that are being harvested right now, if they just went and plucked one ear of corn at a time, it would all go moldy and bad by the time that we needed something from it. He said the harvest is plentiful. The fields are ready. There's people all around you that need Jesus. If y'all go to work, you see people every day, and I guarantee that people there need God. People at the grocery store, people at the gas station, people on the street corner. Everywhere you go, people in your family, friends that you know, people at your school. Everywhere we go, there's an opportunity to be a harvester in the field. See, God didn't just come to earth for our Sunday services, but for ones to give their lives to him in service. He didn't come to us for our Sunday services so we could have a good time, join together. Wow, that was awesome worship. That was an awesome word. God really did something. High five, go team, and we sit on the bench. I'm sorry, but I refuse to believe that God is a team of a bunch of bench warmers. Because I don't want to be on that team. I want to be on a team that like wins and does something about it and gets out and actually plays on the field. And even when they have a loss, they know that, guess what? We're going to get out and try again. Guess what? We're going to get up and go again because it's not about us, God. I'm not so offended that we lost. I'm just going to get up and keep going because it's more about you and your purpose and your calling in my life than it is me. Why do you think... Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Why do you think he asked him that? I mean, sometimes I think we might think God likes to play mind games with us. Like, really, God? You sure about that? But in reality, God asked Peter that three times because he wanted him to feed his sheep. He wanted him to understand the purpose of his calling. See, the fields are only white for the harvest. I began to think about this and I looked up, 
you know, why fields, why they say they're white, because, you know, most of the time when you see pictures of wheat and different things, they're, they're brown. But if you look at the very tips of a wheat field as it's blowing through the wind, it looks white, almost literally as white as snow when it's ready and when it's ripe for harvest. When it's ripe for harvest, it turns white. And I begin to think about how Jesus calls us his sheep. And the majority of sheep, the majority are, are, have white wool. And he talks about washing you as white as snow. And the fact of it is, is that I believe that the fields are white for harvest because they're full of his sheep that need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. The fields are white means the right time to bring people to God is now. Not wait four months in between. The season of sowing and reaping are now. They're hand in hand. Harvest is now. So the only thing I can say to you is unlikely harvesters in this room, it's time to fulfill your unlikely calling. It's time to fulfill the things that people probably are trying to tell you you can't do. Well, guess what a remnant is? It's full of unlikely people who do things people told them they can't do. Jesus talks all about in the last days a remnant will rise. Well, guess what? I want to be part of that remnant. Because I'll tell you this, I'd rather be a worker with the few than the one of the many who wasted their well experience. I'd rather work with just the few. I'd rather work with just the few. I don't want to waste my time anymore. I believe we don't have much time. I believe the word that came out the week after our anniversary about the winds that God was going to bring, go ahead and are happening and are taking place in our time right now. And we are literally in the wind of harvest. And I'm telling you, God is moving and he's bringing his harvest in. And if you refuse to do something about it, that's on you. I don't want to build up an immunity to his people. I don't want to be immune to the lost and the hurting. I don't want to be immune to the people that need Jesus. I don't want to be like that. See, God desires to build community with his people, and he needs you to do it. He needs you. So what are you going to do with your encounter? Will you stay immune, or are you going to choose to commune? Will you stay immune, or are you going to choose to commune? And I want you to stand with me this morning. See, I, I watched the service last Sunday, and it was powerful. And I didn't get to see the end of it because a lot of times when the altars really get full and we let God begin to do something, we don't keep the videos running just for the fact of God is moving and doing something. And that's personal. But I began to hear about great things that God did last Sunday. But can I ask you a question? What's the great thing God did with you yesterday? Not just last Sunday. So you can come back, so you can just be refilled for another week of the same. What did you do with your encounter? 
What did you do with your moment with God? What will you do with your moment with God today? And I believe that God is pressing on your heart saying, tick, 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 tick. Time is running out. Time is running out. Time is running out. I need you to be my worker. I need you to get in the field. I need you to do something about it. I'm not just here so you can feel good from what I'm doing so you can come in and say, woe is me, God. Forgive me of my sins and turn back around. What are you doing about the moments that God is giving you? I'll tell you this. You have a full week this week to have a harvest party for yourself, to get ready for a harvest party on Friday. You have a full week to go out and work the field so that you can bring people in who need Jesus to the well. But again, his word says the harvest is great, but the workers are few. If you're willing to be a few, if you're willing to say, God, you know what? I've wasted some of my well experiences and I haven't really worked for your field because I built up an immunity because of all the little doses of the world I let into my life every single day. All the doses that numb the experiences that I've had with you that make me have to desire another experience because I've been too busy building up an immunity to what you're doing in my life to be able to actually reach others. God, I really want to do something. So I want my heart to break for what breaks yours. I want to have the desire for your harvest. I want to be a worker in your field. Forgive me, God, if I have treated others with immunity instead of the affection of what they've needed from you. If you are that today. Uh, These altars are open. You have a chance to seek God and ask him to renew it in you. Because guess what? Ain't nobody was at that well but Jesus and the woman. And ain't nobody at that well with you today but Jesus and you. What are you going to do about it? If you know for a fact that you are wanting to be a part of the few, I urge you to come up front. If you want to be a part of the few to work the fields, come up front. I'm not just asking about, hey, work in the fields because, you know, I've just wasted time. But if you know that you are a worker in God's field, then you need to come up and connect with the ones who want to be workers in the field. The question today is, are you a few or are you a many? Are you a worker? Are you a worker? Don't waste your well experience. Please don't. Don't waste your moments. Go ahead. Let us be the church you desire. Take us deep, my soul cries out. Does it cry out? Let us be the church you desire. In my job, so cries out. In my home, so cries out. In my family, let us be the church you desire. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. 